Blog Talk Radio. Fans, welcome to the show on a Sunday evening special start time today. Real fast before we jump into it, if you're looking for some wrestling, there's still time to catch the Primos Pro Wrestling event in Denver, Colorado tonight. So make your way there if you are looking for some live action in that area. But without any further ado, I want to welcome our guest today. He is the Drip Goat. Cosmo. Cosmo, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a long time coming, but we're glad to finally have you here. It is your lucky day, sign guy. Indeed it is. And I know you've answered this on Coach Mike's show and Coach Mike on assignment tonight. He's not here. But for our listeners, can you tell us what got you into this business of professional wrestling? What got me into this business of professional wrestling? I would say the being a growing up as a kid, being a long time uh, I mean fan. Uh, my grandfather got me watching it, so so I don't know. It's got to be the the drama, the theatrics of it, the the everything. It's it's professional wrestling. It, it's the most amazing sport in the world. It, I was just hooked from the beginning. Now, before you started training for your own career, did you have backgrounds in anything that were going to prepare you for it, such as other athletics or amateur wrestling or a theatrical background, anything like that, or did you go into wrestling training sort of cold? Um, no, absolutely not. I was, um, I ran track um, all four years of high school, cross country, um, played basketball. Um, also um, played basketball in college. Um had the opportunity to run track in college. It didn't quite work out, but um, I was always athletic, um, always wrestling as well. Being that basketball and wrestling season were at the same time, I couldn't wrestle for the team, but um, I was always wrestling with the team, you know, behind closed doors during practices. We were always having WWF matches slash shoot matches um, in the gym upstairs in high school. 
Um, one of my best friends was also a national champion in amateur wrestling, so it's something that um, I've always done. Now, getting into your own wrestling career, uh, you have been here on the West Coast for, I believe, pretty much all of it, if not all of your career. And in this area, a lot of fans may not remember that territories that were out here like Don Owens, Pacific Northwest, Roy Shires, San Francisco, the LaBelle's LA territory, but there's a lot of rich wrestling history on the West Coast. Do you ever study what came before you as far as the territorial system and wrestlers that paved the way? Absolutely. Um as a kid, that's what I kind of grew up on was like the territories, the uh, um, NWA's, Crockett's, um, Mid-South. Um, I had seen all of that as a kid. Um, even as a kid growing up in L.A., I knew about Portland um, because of Rowdy Piper. Um, he was huge in L.A. when I was a kid. Um, and when he showed up in Portland, I, um, I had seen like, I can't remember where, but um, I had seen a couple Portland wrestling matches from back in the day. Um, I think it was with Andre the Giant and somebody, um, but I had knew about um, a lot of, well, not a lot of, a few territories as a kid. Um, and then as I had gotten older, um, definitely, you know, still uh, kept with it and watched um, local wrestling. I loved Portland wrestling as a kid growing up. Um, it was one of my favorites when I happened to actually move to Oregon. Um, I got to watch it even more, so absolutely love territory wrestling and studied it um, as I started my career in professional wrestling. Uh, part of, you know, our training, you know, wasn't always necessarily in the ring. Um, you always had homework and study and tape. And um, being that I watch it all day, every day, you know, that was nothing for me. So definitely um, studied a lot of territories. In the last several years, the Cauliflower Alley Club has opened up to not only uh, wrestlers from the territorial days, but pretty much any wrestler that wants to attend, as well as fans and historians. We have the Iowa Hall of Fame in Waterloo, Iowa, that has become much bigger over the last few years. There's a Hall of Fame in New York that is gaining traction. Do you ever go to the Hall of Fame events and the reunions like CAC? Um, I haven't as of yet. Um, I've always uh, wanted to definitely go to Cauliflower Alley. Um, there's just always a scheduling conflict uh, going on. Um, I'm either in L.A. or doing something um, during that time of year. Um, I do travel a lot. I've got a lot going on, um, so... Um, I'm definitely going to definitely try and make it to the cauliflower pretty soon, if not this year. Now, being in L.A., obviously you are very well aware of television and television being produced, which includes wrestling shows. I know you've wrestled on quite a few shows that have been for a television audience, but you have also wrestled 
or shows that are only going to be seen by the fans in attendance. Do you personally find a difference when you wrestle on a television production versus just a standard show for the live crowd? I mean, it all depends on the crowd to me. Um, if the crowd is into, the crowd is juiced, they've got energy, the vibe is hot, um, it, it doesn't matter to me if it's TV or not. Um, I'm just all about, you know, the live crowd and feeding off of the crowd. That's my thing um, is I play off of the crowd a lot. Um, so if the crowd is hot, that's all I really care about. One of the big things for pretty much anyone in wrestling that is going to do anything successfully is their diet and wrestlers have been known to do some extremes when it comes to dieting. There are people that uh, eat very, very little, if any, carbs. There are people that will eat 8 to 10 meals every day. Some people will meal prep once a week for the entire week. We've seen a lot of different things when it comes to diet. What is your own personal diet situation like to keep you ring ready? Uh, high protein. Um, I do like um, some carbs. Um, I'm not a. I'm not going to shy away from carbs. Up oh, do we lose if, you? No, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Little man. Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. We got you now. Sorry about that. You can hear me. All right, so my we can hear you now. Okay. All right, sorry about that. So um, my question was about uh what your diet is like. I like to eat a lot of chicken and fish. Um when I'm training, um cutting weight, um it's a lot of chicken and fish. Um I love pasta. I can't stay away from it, so I don't even try. Um, just a lot of high protein. I can, I don't know, I've got what you would say royal genes. Um, some people do say that in the family, come from a royal bloodline. So I can I can eat pretty much um, anything as long as I'm training and active. But I love eggs. I love um chicken and fish when I'm training for a match. I want a similar note, another thing that all wrestlers should have, and sadly some do not, is good cardiovascular conditioning. You have to be able to wrestle 10, 15, 20 minutes or more. Uh, some wrestlers start blowing up after about two minutes. You've always seemed to be in really good cardio shape. What's your cardio regimen like? It really depends. Um, it depends on the day. Um, I mean, uh, I kid you not, I'm really a super athlete. Um, it could be running. It could be basketball. Um, I pretty much do it all. Um, I love to jump rope, do old school bear crawls. Um, 
it could be, you know, training with some uh, kids. I do a lot of training situations with uh, basketball players. So in uh, in a, any particular week, um, I'm running drills for some up-and-coming AAU basketball players. Um, I could be running a few miles at a local park. Um, I could be on my stationary bike um, or in the pool. That's um, one of my absolute favorites is uh, swimming. Um, not many people know this, um, but I'm an excellent swimmer, and I use it for um, low impact when I'm kind of sore but still need really good, strong cardio. Um, get in that pool, and it works every muscle in the body with no impact to the joints. Um, I do recommend it. When you're doing the swimming, do you do light weights with it for more resistance, or do you just do straight, like, swimming team routines with it? Uh, mostly just swimming. Um, a lot of swimming or running in the pool. Um there's a, where I'm at, there's a, what you would call, well, we call it the old folks pool, but um, it's a therapy pool and just kind of couple run a couple miles in it. Um, it's deep enough to where even me, as tall as I am, um, I can get a full body workout doing that. You mentioned earlier being a fan of Jim Crockett and, of course, being a former college basketball player. Did you ever see the footage of the charity basketball game that Jim Crockett Promotions put on against the Charlotte, North Carolina Police Department? I did. (laughs) That is one of the greatest spectacles in wrestling history. Um, And that just goes to show you what athletes, you know, professional wrestlers are. Um, if you've seen that footage, you, you, I mean, you're not going to see the, you know, uh, a lot of basketball skill per se, but what you are going to see is some athletes having fun and, you know, playing basketball. And um, I thought that was one of the most entertaining um, charity games I've ever seen. A lot of people may have slept on Dusty Rhodes in that game until he started draining three-pointers. <laughs> Absolutely. Dusty Rhodes is a spectacle all in himself. Um, and watching him play basketball and the get-up he was dressed in, I mean, it, it, it's priceless. I mean, pure gold. There's also been several other top wrestlers over the years that have basketball backgrounds. There's people like Lex Luger. There's people like Paul White, The Big Show, The Undertaker, Kevin Nash, all had high level of basketball backgrounds before getting into professional wrestling. As a basketball player that also loved wrestling, did you sort of gravitate towards those guys knowing that you were on potentially a similar path, or was that not something you consciously thought of at the time? No, it's not something I ever thought of. Um, I kind of knew, like, about certain guys that were basketball players, and I had heard that it translates um, the footwork um, 
but it's never something I actually thought of. Um, I always gravitated to guys like the Great Muda and the Dynamite Kid. Um, you know, I don't know. I liked watching, you know, guys that weren't necessarily my type of style per se, but um, no, uh, that answer would be no. Fair enough. Now, uh, you, like you said, are a bit of a tall guy, and as such, you probably can't go into your local store and pick up wrestling gear off the rack or anything of that nature. I'm sure you have people that have to make your gear for you. Do you have someone that either designs the look of your gear or makes your gear or both, or is that something that you personally do? Um, I've designed all of my gear. Um, I have somebody that makes it. Um, I give them I give them the idea, and they kind of do the rest. Um, but all of uh, my custom gear has all been uh, designed by me. What would you say has been the hardest design that you've presented to your gear maker that they were able to use and have it be functional? Um, my Hollywood gear. Um, I would say the, I had talked to a couple of people that when I presented them my idea and uh, the little drawing, the sketch I had of what I wanted, I wasn't comfortable in, you know, their confidence. Um, when I finally found the gentleman that makes it, um, his excitement, his enthusiasm, um, and just the the flair for um, what he does um, sold me on uh, their ability. So. Yeah. Al, you have been around long enough at this point to know that the physical wrestling rings, especially at the independent level, can vary in quality a lot. There are some rings that are really, really nice to wrestle in and People are comfortable in it. People are not getting hurt. On the other end of the spectrum, there are rings that are more or less falling apart and are practically death traps, just waiting for an accident to happen in it. From everything you have experienced, what would you say is the best physical wrestling ring in which you have wrestled? Best physical wrestling ring that I wrestled in. Um, I would say the ring for um, to be, I guess, the ring, the WCWC ring um, for that TV show. That was a pretty solid ring. 
He's had some, I mean, there were some other shitty rings before that one, but the one that they used for TV was pretty good. Um, Just for your own personal preferences, do you have a preference as far as the makeup of a ring? Do you like the 18 foot? Do you like the 16 foot? Do you like cable? Do you like real rope? What would your ideal situation be? My ideal one is a a big ring. I like the twenty footers. Um, um, I've you know wrestled in you know all the sizes, eighteen, sixteen. I look like a giant, you know, in the sixteen. So I mean, I don't mind those too much because I look huge. I can take one step and I'm on to the other side of the ring. Um, that's the only thing I think. I mean. It hurts the quality of the match when it's um, that small. I mean, it's almost cartoonish, if you ask me. Um, but I, I, I generally prefer bigger rings. You can do more and, I think, tell a better story in a, a bigger ring. You have wrestled a lot in the state of Oregon, and Oregon does have a wrestling commission. They pretty much just require annual blood work from the participants and for the taxes to be delivered by the promoters. Outside of that, there's not a lot. But every state differs with commissions. Some are extremely strict, like in Washington there is a lot of regulations on the books. Uh, Kentucky is extremely strict, so there's differences going state by state. For your own career, have you had to deal much with the athletic commissions? Not too much. I I follow the rules, I mean, of the commission. Um, There's always, you know, that one window licker that's always calling the commission, telling on everybody. Um, We've all dealt with that, but other than that, um, no, not really. One of the things that pretty much every commission will deal with to some degree is the use of blood in pro wrestling. And even outside of the commission, just people that work in the industry over the last few years have formed opinions because of what medical sciences learn on bloodborne pathogens. Some people think that there is still a place for blood. Other people think not. Where does your stance come when it comes to blood? When it comes to blood, um, to each their own, I think. Um, In professional wrestling, it's natural. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not the type that's going to be gigging. I look like, you know, a movie star, so there's no way I'm trying to bust up, cut up, you know, my pretty face. This is the moneymaker, baby. Um, So that's not happening. If it happens the hard way, then it happens the hard way. I'm definitely not opposed to that. (laughs) Um, But I'm just just not the type to be um, doing the, the old school way. How many times... Would you say in your career you have been hard weighed? Um, 
twice. Not too bad. Now, it's not very prevalent this time of year, but when we start getting into spring and summer, a lot of promotions will start booking outdoor venues and running shows outside in parking lots or at state fairgrounds or at um, like a kind of like Bailey's Places or where it's open air amphitheater style. Do you personally like doing outdoor shows or would you rather stay indoors? Um, it doesn't bother me at all. I don't mind one way or the other. As long as the money's right, uh, I'm down to do it. I've done some, you know, outdoor shows before, um, at a fair, um, promotional shows, um, somewhere in a parking lot of a radio station. Um, to me, it doesn't matter. There's a, there's, there's a crowd and there's a show going on. I think, Back in the old school Carney days, you know, it was in a tent. Um, so I, I'm not opposed to doing, you know, um, outdoor fair shows. I think there should be more of those, actually. One of the downfalls I've experienced on outdoor shows is that it can play havoc with your wrestling gear because there's dirt flying, there can be mud, there can be wet grass that will stain up gear. Um, I've seen people's boots get ruined doing outdoor shows. Do you have a fear when you do these outdoor shows of coming away with your gear not being salvageable? Um, No, sir, I do not. I am the drip coat. I don't know if you've noticed, but my gear is impeccable every time. If something doesn't um, or even looks lightly out of place, I'm going to have it replaced. Um, I've got multiple sets of gears, um, so it's just, that's definitely not an issue. I'm not one of these dudes begging for a ride to the show um, that can barely afford gear. <laughs> I'm not that guy. Fair enough. One of the other things that you have done in your career is make use of a wrestling manager. We've seen in the last year or two a bit of a resurgence in managers at the national level. AEW has a lot of managers. WOW Women of Wrestling has several managers. WWE has a handful that they use. A few years ago, you saw one or two managers at the national level at best. What do you think of the role of the wrestling manager in general? I I think it's almost crucial um, in telling a story in professional wrestling. I I love the fact that there are managers going on now. Um, Truth be told, a lot of wrestlers need managers. Um, And growing up, I was a huge fan of Bobby the Brain, Heenan, and the Heenan family. And not necessarily, you know, the members of the Heenan family, but just the idea of the Heenan family and how Bobby sold it 
on the mic every week. Um, I was a huge fan of the Horsemen. Um, and, you know, they had a, um, a decent manager. Um, I, so I, I'm happy that managers are coming back. Um, having had a manager um, in my career, uh, I, I feel like it, it's a crucial part of the show and storytelling. With your manager, you are also part of a faction, the Rockefeller Foundation. Ever since the popularity of the Four Horsemen came to be, it seems like every promotion will send out a few factions constantly just to have the hope and dream that something catches on with the fans. Do you personally like being part of an overall faction? I know you said you enjoyed the Heenan family, but did you enjoy it for your own personal career being part of a group? I did. I loved being a part of the Rockefeller Foundation. Um, it's undisputed, um, the numbers we did, um, how popular, um, how it got over. I believe that if done correctly, um, it it's a it's a masterful part of storytelling in getting you know a, a bunch of people over at the same time. Um, and the numbers uh, that we drew, um, doing you know 350 fans every week for almost a year, um, that's pretty impressive and it tells you the 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 type of story we were telling that um the crowd was you know buying a ticket every week so definitely um for me it was a fun uh time of my career um i don't think um we're going to see you know anything like that around here anymore one of the more important roles in wrestling that a lot of fans will overlook is the ring announcer. They are pretty much the face of the company as far as the fans' belief. They get their information on not only the current show they're watching, but on how to go to see future shows, where to go to spend their money. The ring announcer usually rightly or wrongly gets associated with being the person in charge of the company in the eyes of the fans. So they're a vital part of a wrestling company. Who are some of the ring announcers that you have worked with over your career that you think are some of the best and deserve a little more praise than they get? The absolute best um, I think I've ever seen in this territory, and this is from any time frame, um, would it have to have been Jimmy Skills. Um, the way the guy hyped up and got, I mean, a guy over for the introduction, um, phenomenal um, delivery, enthusiasm, um, there's so many different things when it comes to like ring announcers and how they do it. I mean, I'm not, I've never done it. I've never been one. So I don't know, you know, 
a whole lot about it other than what I like and guys that um, could get a guy over by an introduction. The very first show I did, Jimmy Skills was a ring announcer, and I was a celebrity guest on the show. And you would have thought Muhammad Ali had just walked in the damn door um, the way that guy introduced me. Um, and not just me, everybody. The guy was phenomenal, um, pure talent. Um, so I'd have to throw out Jimmy Skills. Um, what's his name? Um, trying to think. Garrett. Um, can't, I can't pronounce his last name. We just call him G. Uh, Garrett Fertig? Yes, that's the guy. Um, he's 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 good. He's really good. Um, those are the two names that come to mind when I think uh, ring announcers. Uh, J.T. Allen was solid, I guess, uh, back in the day. That's another one, J.T. Allen. Um, those would probably be my favorites. One of the other parts of wrestling that a lot of people overlook is the role of the wrestling referee. And if someone is good at what they do and properly trained, they can help guide a bad match to be better than it looks. They can also, if they are not trained properly and don't know what they're doing, take what should be a good match and make it unwatchable. There's a lot of difference in quality, especially at the independent level, in training and skill level and so forth and so on. Who are some of the ones out there you've worked with that you think are some of the top ones? Um, I don't think you would know who they are. They're all from Southern California. Um, they're the, ex the best refs on the independent scene right now. Um, they don't even compare, um, especially to the refs here in the Northwest. Um, they're, I'm, I mean, here in the Northwest, I would say Rob. Um, I, I, I can't think of any other ones. I mean... You've got a you've got an eye problem. You can't see worth a damn, so I can't mention your name in that category. Um, pretty much every ref at BCW was terrible. Half of them would need a seeing eye dog to call the match. Um, I, I've never really been um, a huge fan of refs. This that, that that that's a tough question, sir. Understandable. I'll blame my eye problem on being poked in the eye by a female sports entertainer on a clothesline. Who does that to well, a guy? I try to show you nothing but a good time, absolute class. I introduced you to people in the VIP section, and the absolute atrocity that followed. Well. Let me just stop right there because I don't want to get out of character here and I'm trying to be in a good mood today. Understood. One of the 
things that a lot of wrestlers will attempt to do at least once is run their own show, whether it's just a one-off just to have the experience of it or if they try and fail after a few shows or if that's the transition that they want to make full-time. Usually a wrestler will try it at least once. Have you ever considered at this point running your own show? I've thought about it uh, because Salem is dying for some good wrestling. Um, And there's been a couple people that have tried to revive it here unsuccessfully. I've thought about it. Um, But mm, I've got so much uh, going on. It's just been a thought here and there. Now, have you ever delved into the booking aspects of a wrestling company at this point? No, I have not. Um, having seen <laughs> the booking um, the bookers around here, it's not something that I've ever desired to do. Very fair. Oh. We talked about your diet earlier in the interview, but as you know, when wrestling shows come to an end and wrestlers are able to leave the venue, oftentimes choices for picking up food are limited, especially in this post-pandemic age when things are not always 24 hours or late night like they once were. What is your go-to place if you've left a show and you're looking for something to eat? Um, it really depends on where I'm at. I mean, some places, I mean, they don't really have much. So I'll just, you know, hit up a local bar. Um, or in and out I would say. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of in and out double-double. In the history of the wrestling business, there have been many instances where wrestlers would go into the local bar and pandemonium would follow soon afterwards, whether the local townspeople were upset at something that happened at the match where the wrestler was taking attention away from the local females or if they just had a dispute over what was on TV or whatever the case may be, a lot of times trouble would follow for the wrestlers. Have you personally ever been in a situation where there were tense moments at the bar being a pro wrestler? Uh, no, never when I was a pro wrestler. Um, when after a show, if I go, um, it's typically with, you know, a few people and nobody ever messes with us. The only bar fights I've ever really had is when I was bouncing at bars and, um, those fights didn't even last too long. Um, but no, not as a wrestler. Now, with the 
wrestling shows, it's not as common now as it was a couple of generations ago, but sometimes fans would cross lines and they would try to become physically involved in the match, whether they try to actually get into the ring and fight or if they would try to stab a wrestler or throw something at the wrestler. There are dozens upon dozens of horror stories about fans that cross that line. Have you ever experienced something directly in your match or just in general on a show you've participated in where the fans were starting to cross the lines? Um, yeah, a couple of shows I've um, been on, it's happened. Um, um, one particular match, um, I was actually at, um, I was at the bar during the show. Uh, my match um, had been over for a while, and I was kind of just watching the rest of the show. And something that uh, happened where a guy... Um, tried to interfere with the show and quickly got taken down. And then his buddy jumped up. Um, as soon as he jumped up, I jumped up and took a step and he seen me and set his punk ass down. Um, but never nothing too serious. Um, but you know, it does happen. On the flip side of that, most wrestlers have that experience where the fans very first approach them for an autograph or a picture or just to say a few words to them when they're getting their career started out. Do you have that moment where you were very first approached by a fan for a positive experience? Um. I mean, almost all of them have been positive. Um, typically, you know, fans, you know, just want to either an autograph or a picture or to be acknowledged. Um, I've had, a, you know, a ton of um, positive um, experiences. Um, probably the one that sticks out the most was I was out with my family in Newport uh, one time um, just walking around the Bayfront. Um, just had a really good uh, seafood lunch at a local establishment. And as we were walking out, um, some people had recognized me um, from being on Portland Uncut and, you know, asked if they could take pictures with me. And at the time, um, a couple of my kids were pretty young. They really had no idea what was going on, um, but thought it was kind of funny. But a lot of uh, positive experiences with uh, fans. Now, with Portland Uncut, a lot of fans might remember, some may not, that uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper was very instrumental in that promotion. His son was even the tag team champion for Portland Uncut. What was it like wrestling in a company where Roddy Piper was a regular fixture, having grown up as a big fan of Roddy Piper? Um, 
I mean, you really can't put it into words. Um, as a kid, like, he, he was one of my absolute favorites. I'm pretty sure my mom has video of me, you know, as a young kid wrestling my cousins and we were always saying, you know, I'm going to be Roddy Piper. I'm going to be the junkyard dog. I'm going to be, um, but he was one of those ones. He is a one of one. So getting the, the opportunity to, to, you know, to sit at the learning tree of Rowdy Piper to have him, you know, come to me and talk about my promo, um, to sit in with the booking meeting, um, with them is it's like a dream come true. You can't even really uh, put it into words. Um, it's probably one of the best experiences, um, I've had in the business. Um, it was a, you know, a short time. Um, I got on the show kind of late. Um, but the time that I did get to work with, um, Rowdy and get to, you know, the interactions I had with him, it's priceless. You, you can't, you, you really can't, you know, I'm struggling. I don't really struggle to talk, but when, when I'm talking about, you know, how great of an experience and opportunity that was, um, man, it, it, it was something else. You've had multiple championships in wrestling, and a lot of fans are connoisseurs of the actual physical championship belts. A lot of fans collect them. A lot of fans uh, study the designs of the individual belts from the dawn of pro wrestling to current day and have favorites and least favorites and so forth. Of the titles that you have held, what do you think was the best design to match you and your style? Um, probably the No Limits title um, that I held in BCW just because it's big and it's it's drippy, a lot of gold. I mean, it, it looks impressive. Um, probably that one because, you know, it fits. It fits with the drip coat. Um, have you personally found yourself sort of looking at title belts and being a connoisseur of the various championships around, or do you not really pay much attention to that aspect? Um, I don't really pay, I mean, attention to it um, that much. Um, I'm definitely not Josh James to where, you know, I i don't, you know, collect them like that. There are, I guess there probably are a few that I wouldn't mind having. Um, so, Josh, if you're out there, um, get at me. I need to holler at you. A lot of times fans will take the time to come up with gifts for wrestlers. They will either make a big elaborate sign for them or they will uh, sometimes 
make a homemade T-shirt, or they will do small pieces of merchandise that they have based on their favorite wrestler. Have you ever gotten a fan that came to the venue and they had sort of a homemade drip go paraphernalia that they've invented? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quite a few. Um, um, I've had one, like um, somebody came up with a bubblegum machine, um, a Hollywood bubblegum machine for me. Uh, that was pretty amazing. Um, I had some fans um, back in the window liquor days that came up with um, the most amazing windows and uh, spray bottles um, and shirts. Like, um, that was phenomenal. Um, those are probably my two favorites. Um, probably forgetting another good one, but oh, I had some with the gorgeous era too. Um, uh, man, yeah, there's been there's been a few. When it comes to actual merchandise that you sell at the merchandise stand, what are the pieces of merchandise that you have? created and sold the fans? Well, let's start my window liquor shirts. Those were probably the most popular, biggest sellers. Those sold like crack in the 80s. Um, my gorgeous era shirts. Those were probably the, the prettiest um, shirts you'd ever seen in professional wrestling. Those sold really well. Um, the drip goat pop socket um, for your phone. Um, that was a really good seller. Um, Cosmo Magnets. Um, right now, um, I've got a brand new item, the Drip Goat Tracksuit. Um, so if you like like sweatsuits, tracksuits like I do, um, let me know. I've, I've got an amazing Drip Goat um, suit going right now. Um, that's probably my new favorite right now. Have you ever get letters from Brian Zane saying, I need royalties on the track suits? Uh, no, I haven't. But if I did, I'd probably want royalties for the show um, because his show is a whole lot like um, Word on the Street, um, which was one of the hottest YouTube shows at the back in the day when YouTube was brand new. I was going viral before viral was a thing, um, back with word on the streets. Um, so I'd probably want royalties um, for his little gimmick show that he ripped off from me. Imagine exchanging royalties. Uh, no, that ain't going to work either. <laughs> oh. Now, as someone that has been at a lot of shows and has seen a lot of things, what would you say has been the most unusual piece of merchandise you have seen wrestlers trying to sell to fans? The most unusual? Most unusual. Hmm. I don't think I've seen anything too unusual. I'm never one to knock somebody else's hustle because if they're going to buy it, I mean, you might as well sell it. Um, 
I can't think of anything that I've seen too unusual. Fair enough. Alan, the era that we're in for pro wrestling, we have probably the most televised wrestling at the national level that there's been in a very, very long time with WOW Women of Wrestling being on the CW Network. Fox has WWE SmackDown. USA has WWE shows. TBS and TNT carry AEW. Access TV has New Japan and TNA on it. There's so much out there right now. Do you think that with so much televised wrestling content that the industry as a whole is a little overexposed with the amount of television that there is, or do you think it's the perfect amount or maybe not even enough? Um, I don't think it's overexposed, no, because, I mean, a lot of people don't even know, you know, that New Japan's on Access TV. Um, you have to be a real wrestling fan, you know, to find that. Um, I, I think it's probably the right amount of wrestling that's on TV right now. You you need, you know, the like the WWE, they're the standard bearer. Um, I think there could actually be some more like local shows. Um, local TV, local wrestling can work. Um, I've seen it work with, you know, in different territories. Um, so I don't think there's too much. There definitely could be some more at the local level. Well, we're down to the last few minutes of the program, and I want to make sure there is ample time for you. So if there's anything you want to say to the fans, plug and promote absolutely anything you would like, floor is all yours. Well, um, I definitely don't want to promote anybody because um, unless I'm getting a check, I'm not promoting the damn thing, sign guy. We can talk about how great I am and the fact that um, some of those promoters in Washington aren't ringing my phone off the hook uh, just goes to show they're not serious about business because if you want to do numbers and you want to put asses in seats, then the first call you should be making is to the drip goats agent. Um, but the fact that that hasn't happened from the state of Washington just goes to show me um, what's going on there. There might be a little too much um, wrestling going on in Washington right now. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. We definitely appreciate you being here, and I will see you down the line. You can thank Coach Mike Jones for this, sign guy. He is the reason that I stopped by Turnbuckle Turmoil today. So you need to buy Coach Mike Jones lunch, take him out to coffee, shake the man's hands, and thank him. I will definitely do all of that for sure. Not a problem. All right, fans, if you have not seen the Drip Dope Cosmo, you need to rectify that. Jump on the YouTube, look him up. There's 
matches out there for you to watch. Great, great talent. Vastly underused in the region, I think. So make sure you learn more about him. We will be back with you next week. Next Friday afternoon, we have the return of Texas-based competitor Reggie Lincoln. And then one week from this very day, we will be back with Matthew Robledz out of the great state of Utah, great manager and announcer. Make plans to be with us. Everybody stay safe out there, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you.